I think divorce is a little bit like me entering Who Dares Wins, the Celebrity SAS program on Channel 4. Always know when to say goodbye and make a speedy exit. Every divorce is different. Every divorce is has a different set of circumstances. And why do we have to be put into this one she fits all? Because it absolutely doesn't in any way, shape or form. And that's what is changing and has to change. Hello and welcome to the Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce and separation from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable and host of the Divorce Podcast. During this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Anthea Turner. Anthea has been in the spotlight for over 30 years, presenting some of our favourite TV shows, including GMTV, Blue Peter, The National Lottery, and most recently starring in the brilliant Celebrity SAS on Channel 4. In 2018, Anthea wrote How to Survive Divorce, which aims to inspire, motivate and help those people going through a relationship breakup. How to Survive Divorce is Anthea's candid take on the emotional toll the end of her marriage took on her well-being and how she came out of the ordeal stronger and a more confident woman. Welcome, Anthea. Nice to be with you and nice to meet you, Kate. Anthea, thanks so much for joining us today. First of all, how have you been? How are you finding lockdown? Well, this is the thing, dare I say it. I have loved lockdown. (laughs) I cannot tell you how much I've got done. My to-do list is now whittled down to probably about six things, and those are frankly not that important. I (laughs) told you so I was determined to come out of lockdown, however long it was going to last, having thought I've achieved something. So being me, of course, and having done that program many years ago, Perfect Housewife, um, not that I'm anybody's housewife. However, I cannot. There's not a drawer, a cupboard. The loft is immaculate. My nickname is Frank, and in fact, I even took the vacuum cleaner up there. So I feel sort of I'm, we're we're emerging now from lockdown, but I feel like I've made full use of it. And I've you sound I've, cleansed. <laughs> I can cook, and I've I've done things, and I've loved being in London. I've smelt fresh air for the first time where I live. Oh. Well, listen, it's, it's great to have you with us and we're very grateful. But in, in some ways, it feels strange timing asking you all about divorce when you've got a wedding to plan at the moment, haven't you? Congratulations. Thank you. I certainly have. However, uh, it wasn't going to have been this September, but it plainly isn't now. So we've just deferred it to next year. We thought there's no point really getting yourself in a bit of a twist over it. Just go. It will, what will be, will be, it will all get sorted. So we will be doing a a wedding, hopefully next September, actually. Well, many congratulations, and I hope it all goes well. Let's talk about the other aspects of your life then, because you've had two high profile divorces. And so I wanted to ask firstly about your kind of private experience of divorce and the lessons that you feel you've learned about both the, suppose, the emotional process as well as the legal process. I think we have to start by saying, yes, they've been high profile. But of course, that's 
my fault. That's because my life has been in the media and I chose that. And it's a double edged sword. And so it's 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 great if you want to promote a book or your television program or your radio program or whatever you're doing. But you have to take the downside with it as well. And I have to say amongst friends of mine and when I'm chatting to people who people I know and people I don't know who just come up to me and want to have a talk about their divorce. And I always say to them, listen, however bad you think it is, just remember, it's not on the front page of the Daily Mail. I always have a little bit of a laugh over that. But that was hard. But this is the funny thing about it. The fact that that was there always looming and I had to deal with that in some way tempered what I did. And this is a bizarre thing to say. And uh, is is it in an odd way, it helped me. I knew that whatever I did could be commented on, could be noted, and that my journey would be watched by others. So that's why, and you hear of some crazy things that people do in anger, and I did none of them. And partly it was because that very, very reason that I knew that I got to really be careful and dare I say the word behave. Yeah. So it sort of acted as a as a break, really, on any sort of emotional outlet that you might have wanted to. Getting cross and going and putting paint stripper over somebody's car, obviously, in my head. But that's as far as it went. Yeah. Anthea, so what do you think were the personal lessons that you learned and that, I guess, led you to writing your book? I wanted to write a book because I wanted it to help other people to make the process simpler. And the way to make the process simpler, and I know this is very difficult, is to take the emotion and put it on one side and deal with, this sounds very hard, but the business of divorce. And to try and not take the knee-jerk reaction, to sit back, you don't have to answer emails straight away. You don't have to answer texts or any form of communication straight away. You sit back and you think and you look at the bigger picture. And you realize, and the most important thing that you have to remember is there's going to be a time when this is over. You've got to pick up the pieces. And the more mess you make, the more pieces you're going to have to pick up. So try as much as you possibly can to keep your mind focused on exactly what you want to achieve the other end. And this is what I tell anybody who is going through this. The fact that people waste their time, solicitors' time, and most importantly, this pot of money, this pot of money that they have, which they're going to split, however way it's going to get split, it's their pot of money. So really always remember that. And don't waste the solicitor's time or anybody's time with annoying letters, with a a friend of mine that it must have taken about four letters over a pair of school shoes. Just put all that to one side and think of how you are going to deal with life, the other side of this. And that was what I wanted everybody to understand. Right. And what enabled you, though, to get to that sort of unemotional or more emotionally controlled state? What process did you have to go to to be able to unhook yourself 
from responding to texts or, you know, writing stroppy letters or whatever. I think it does help the fact that there were no small children involved. I was very much an equal partner financially in the marriage. I think this is very different if you have been the homemaker. I think it's very different if you have small children, because it's actually fear that stops a lot of people either getting divorced in the first place and putting up with all sorts of terrible behavior. I think that mine, I was able to remember I'm Anthea Turner. I might be have been Mrs. Bovey, but just remember you're Anthea Turner. And I'm only using, I'm not saying Anthea Turner on the television now. I am a person. I was, I was of a couple and I am going to be the other side of this. And I am going to stand on my own two feet and I will move forward. And that is one of the hardest things because for nearly 15 years of my life, I've been in this couple. We have all of this history, the adventures, just, just, just life. And you are surrounded by memories of your life. You're sitting in a home with pictures up. You talk to people. You have friends and family now who are all. And it's really, really, really difficult to to carve a, a way through that. But you can. And it is possible to do that. You will get over the tears. You will have drunk a little bit too much. You will have talking to your girlfriends. You will the things that women do but then it is really important and I used a mediator and I did use um, a solicitor that was actually a friend and wasn't there to wind anything up all she was a fair good deal for me and she kept my head going forward on that there is not one nasty email there is not one vile, nasty texts, anything between Grant and myself. I kept all of that away, absolutely away. And and, and, and if you, and this, please take this the right way, that if you are somebody who you really, really want to make it uncomfortable for your ex, be nice. Mm. I mean, it, it sounds like you are part of a new narrative and the narrative is changing away from, um, you know, big courtroom battles and nastiness, but to a much more considered and dignified way of divorcing. I mean, everybody sniggered when the whole conscious uncoupling came out, but it, it seems that there is a change afoot. And it seems like people like yourself and many people certainly that we deal with in our work are wanting to do things differently. And, you know, one of the big societal changes that's happened recently is the passing of the no-fault divorce laws they received royal assent last week what do you say to people who oppose those sorts of changes who oppose a bill that is designed to make things kinder but what do you say to the people who actually say well it's making things easier and it shouldn't be that way my first question to them is have you been divorced and if they say no, I really do have to put them on one side because I'm not entirely sure unless you've been through it, you have any idea what it's like. And why would you want to fight something which is not making it easier for people to get divorced as in the way that they are willy nilly? Oh, it, may, it makes a mockery of a marriage. 
what you're doing is you're making it easier for people the other side to pick up their life. And as I said earlier, the less mess you make during your divorce, the easier it is to pick everything up and move forward. What we all need to do is to move forward. Once somebody has made their mind up that they want to get divorced, and of course, it's rarely is it equal. There's always somebody there who's a protagonist. Why would anybody want to try and hold on to somebody who wants to go? It's already damaged. Now, this doesn't mean that you uh, down the line as you go through this on this journey of divorce, that if you both change your mind and decide, actually, this is not what we want. We have enough. We have enough love for each other to try and make this work. Nobody's going to make you get divorced. You could stop it the day before you get your decree nice and decree or decree absolute. Nobody's saying that. But what they want to do is preserve you as human beings. And if there are children involved, there are going to be birthdays and weddings or christenings of grandchildren. There's going to be all sorts of things. And you want to be able to have some civil. I'd say we've managed to get to a point where I'd say we're reasonably good friends. At least you want to be civil. You don't want to alienate yourself out of your family and your extended family's life. Because if there are children involved, and mine were actually stepchildren, and yet they are a huge part of my life. And only three weeks ago, we were celebrating a collection of birthdays that during lockdown, we weren't able to celebrate. So we decided, because we could have the amount of people in our bubble that was appropriate, um, then we celebrated all our birthdays. And I sat there thinking, this is a joy. This is a joy to be able to do this and a privilege for everybody. And because we do have a history, so therefore we are going to have a future together of some shape or form. And it wasn't, you know, I was the injured party, but I sit there looking at this man across the table that I was married to. And I can tell you, and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, Again, you have to take this the right. I just look and think, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's over. It's like, and some people say, how how do you view your ex? And I say, like a member of my family, and and that's it. That the emotion, the bit that stopped you being friends has gone. That's got that gone completely. So you're just you're looking at somebody. Is there a song? Somebody I used to know. But the fact that I have made it easier for the rest of my family and most importantly, the girls to sit there and not have to think that they are divided means the world to me. Yeah. Well, you, you're doing a lot of the hard work by the sounds of it. And it, it strikes me that the process could do some of that work for people rather than it having to come from within all the time. I mean, you in, in your last divorce, you divorced on the grounds of adulteries and that that must have been very hard having to to go through that process and say that out loud and to blame and to make that public and everything else do you think having to having to do that has an impact on you to be honest the daily mail had done that for me so uh, in my situation which is a unique situation I don't really think no to be honest to me because I had reconciled with everything what I wrote down on that was immaterial really I think I'm trying to think just looking back on it do you want to I, I remember my solicitor saying do you want to put adultery on it I said well I might as well and I think that was it really I don't think there was 
neither of us, we got told off actually by both of our solicitors for looping the other one in. Right. Uh, right. On the conversations that we were having um, and told that we shouldn't be sharing emails and things. But frankly, as far as I was concerned, that was the, the easier way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That That's obviously depending on the, the type of method you choose to get divorced. That's part of what we do in when we help people is is to keep that open dialogue and and it sounds like you were able to be very pragmatic and again that's something we always say to people don't get hung up on the grounds for the divorce they don't have any impact on the financial arrangements they don't have any impact on any children arrangements you make so try and be pragmatic so certainly it feels like the law has caught up a bit with you know what's in people's best interests and so having no fault and not having to go through that process of blaming or writing things about each other feels like a very big positive step forward. I have to say that having uh, uh, Peter as well my first husband and I I think our, our whole divorce cost us 100 well it did cost us £127.50 because we just got sorted it out but then again, I think that's because we'd always had a very open book as far as a marriage is concerned, financially and as far as property. There was nothing hidden. There was nothing that we had to learn about each other. We just asked the solicitor to be able to, can you can you just rubber stamp this and sort this out? This is what we want to do. There were no children involved. I would like to think that that's really what Grant and I did. We knew where We knew where everything was. We knew what we got. We knew what we hadn't got. And there's a pot of money. It, very different if you say if you've got little children and you're spending money every day and there's, and there's school or school fees or there's goodness only knows what that is different but as far as two adults are concerned who want to consciously uncouple just you've got to sit there and this is it's business and I know that, that sounds hard but it is business because you have a pot of money and why spend it why fritter it away on solicitors yeah uh you know you've, you've got to you've got to pay pay out some of that of course you have legally you've got to part with your wealth for whatever you've got but you know and, and it's and it's all subject well it is what it is it is what it is I have to say I can't see and it riles me so much when I meet people who are literally warring and they are warring over stupid things. They're warring over one-upmanship. And there are some people, men and women, who just are not happy with the divorce. They just want to annihilate the other person. And I think the other side of that, you are never going to move on if you have an attitude like that. No, you remain stuck in that same narrative. Yeah. For And it defines the next stage of your life doesn't it Absolutely. whinging about the divorce and who did what to who then starts to define people and I, I think one of the most important things as you said is the ability to see that a chapter closing and a new chapter opening and I think you talk a lot don't you about coming out a stronger more confident woman and and that sort of change that evolution of yourself into Anthea Turner, whatever Anthea Turner in this new state is going to be. And I, I think that's a really important thing to communicate to people that, that, of course, it's a sad thing, but there's also opportunity in divorce. Yes. Whatever part of your life the marriage took up, that is over. And I think, and I, and I write about this, I was frightened. And, and, and I, I think you should always admit do you know what it is? I'm frightened. And 
people are frightened and their back is against the wall, they kick out. I think it's really important that you do not make a knee-jerk reaction, that you sit back, you get the support that you need from people like you guys who are divorce coaches, that you speak to mediators. You obviously speak to your friends as well. It's what people do. But you really think about how you want this to be. And don't be swayed by other people telling you, you've got to tell him, you've got to show her, you've got to mean business. Just calm all that down. You really have to calm it down. Carve your own route through. You will be all right the other side. You will. It's going to be a different. It's going to be a new normal. But you will be all right and you will meet somebody else. It's worse when you're older. I think you have the optimism the optimism of youth when you're younger that, oh, yeah, sort everything out and life will go on when you're in your 30s and maybe early 40s. As you get older, you don't feel like that. The upside is that you maybe don't have the child responsibility that you once had because hopefully, you know, by the time, maybe by the time you've got there, they're older and they're not dependent on you. But also it's very important however old the children are, not to put them in the middle, not to make them feel that they can't talk to the both of you. And I felt, and maybe it maybe it helped the fact that they weren't my children either. You know, I feared that I was going to lose them because they're, they're not my blood children, that the reality of it is that we became closer and they are still incredibly close to me. I've spoken to two of them today and we're making arrangements of things that we're going to do next week. And I and I know now that they respect the position that I took for them and to keep the family together because I was the one holding the cards. I was the one who could either stick the knife in or keep it in the kitchen drawer. Yeah. You had effectively, you set the tone for the divorce and it was your ability to manage your own emotions that led to a positive outcome for everybody. But you can't do that on your own. And I do advise everybody to take some sort of counselling. You're much better spending your money, not on pointless solicitor's letters winding the other side up. Spend some money on finding yourself a really good sounding board and not just your friends. Find a counsellor, find somebody you can talk to. You need somebody you can scream and shout and cry or at, and they understand. And so that they can, it's about seeing, we often use this phrase, it's about seeing the bigger picture. You have to see the bigger picture. Reality television programmes are all about you losing perspective. They want you to lose perspective. There are a lot of solicitors who actually want either sides to lose perspective because when you lose lose perspective you spend more time sending letters and being stupid Uh, but if you keep some sort of control and if you keep an open mind and you understand the bigger picture then you're going to have a much cleaner route through I think people don't like talking about money of course we don't really want to talk about money in divorce but we have to talk about money and we have to sit down and have and I actually sat down with I remember Grant's our accountant and my solicitor and obviously we'd come to the decision that we could 
sit here openly and just sit and have a conversation. Yeah. I think that's that was probably the most productive meeting we could possibly have. I think you hit the nail on the head, the power of being able to have a reasonable conversation, albeit a facilitated one. Now, that comes straight away. And I do think that you have to, people are very quick to rush into things. And when you rush into something in anger and with knee-jerk reaction, and obviously I hated the fact, you know, that this is, this is my uh, now ex-husband who is with somebody who was old enough to be his daughter. And what did he think he was doing? And right, I'm going to finish him off. And how dare you do this to me? And of course, don't get me wrong, I have had and did have every evil thought went through my head. But I knew that in the long run, it wasn't going to do me any good. It really wasn't. Now, maybe maturity does come into it. Maybe because I was that bit older and I've been around the block and I have friends who have suffered and I've seen more. Maybe that just helped me a little bit. But it's really, really important. Don't. No, I think you're right. Keeping your eyes on the prize, the bigger picture, setting a goal and moving towards it. That's I think that's what keeps you sane and helps you move through. And I think making sure that you start to have a peek into this new life, whatever this new novel in this new life is possibly going to be, and you start sort of playing around with it, imagining it, really placing yourself in that place and realise that it's not going to be as bad as you think. And then after a little while, when you've been in it, you will wake up. And I promise everybody, I said, you will wake up one morning and you'll go, oh, my goodness me. How lucky am I? <laughs> what a great place I am in now. Yeah. I really, really am. But you have to make that happen and you have to work on that. Well, it sounds like you've definitely made that happen for yourself. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, Anthea. Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, what are you up to at the moment? Well, now I'm out of lockdown. I am writing another book at the moment. And we only have a working title because we've just started on it. And the working title is, and it might not be the actual title of the book, and it's How to Age Well. So we're working on that. I'm lucky to be doing lots of writing as well. I do a, a lovely column for my weekly every week. And all of a sudden, I'm being asked to do other writing pieces, which I'm quite enjoying. In fact, I'm really enjoying it. Now, it sounds it sounds like you've got a very bright and busy future ahead of you. The next year or so sounds incredibly exciting. Thank you very much for joining me, Anthea. It's been lovely to talk to you. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kate underscore daily. You can subscribe to our podcasts at thedivorcepodcast.com. And you can find out more about Amicable at amicable.io. Anthea, I wish you every happiness in your new married life when it eventually arrives. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening. Thank you.